Hi, this is Jeff Cooper, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Well, one of the reasons that Pirates of the Caribbean, since it opened in 1967 at Disneyland, has been my favorite attraction is because there is so much attention to the details. I've been on it literally hundreds of times and in four different versions across the globe, and yet I still see new details from time to time. So imagine a whole different version of that attraction was not only taken to the next level, but that there was an entire land supporting that experience. That's what we're looking at in this podcast. The real gems in Treasure Cove at Shanghai Disneyland is in the details. We look across the land and at its signature attraction to get a taste of all that. In the process, we see something that not only takes the film series involving Captain Jack Sparrow to a whole new level, but something that pays homage to the original Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. Join us on this voyage as we visit Treasure Cove at Shanghai Disneyland to see the treasure in the details. So many of my podcasts, I recommend that you also visit DisneyAtPlay.com. And this is one of those podcasts because you're going to see about over 40 images that kind of make up some of these details that I'm going to describe for you uh, in this in this podcast. So you're going to definitely want to uh, to check that out as you have a chance. We'll we'll release that post at the same time that the podcast is released. When you visit Disney uh, uh, Shanghai Disneyland and you see uh, what is Treasure Cove, you learn that this is one land, but it actually is five neighborhoods within that circled area that makes up the Treasure Cove. Um, some of them are um, interestingly labeled. The others are pretty plain. The first is the entry area. Uh, the second which actually almost takes up half of the pedestrian area. The second is Shipwreck Shore. Third is Landlubber Landing. Fourth is The Village. And finally, fifth is Fort Snobbish, which is actually the home to Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for the Sunken Treasure. But when you go through the queue and everything that's involved with Fort Snobbish, you'll soon see that. This is a neighborhood in and of itself, but we're going to go through each of the through through, through all these different treasures um, by going through each of these different neighbors, and we're going to start obviously with the entry, which comes kind of off of the hub of the park, but um, is quite well placed behind the hub. You you know how. When you're at a hub of a park, you you see the sign saying Adventureland and Frontierland and so forth. Not so much here. This is actually set apart a little bit, but it's a big entrance marker as it's a it's a wrecked ship um, with a big uh, sail hosting and saying Treasure Cove. Um, but we actually, before you get to that point, there are some outskirts to it. And what you find is that is that the outskirts of Treasure Cove, it, there's a merge point where it links to an outer path of Fantasyland. And it's here we see just a tiny little kiosk, nothing much really, in trinkets that are pretty common 
in any Disney theme park. But the title is so small in English, you barely would notice. It says Scuttle's Shiny Things, which actually takes us to um, The Little Mermaid. Scuttle is the seagull from The Little Mermaid. In fact, there's a little crow's nest at the top of this kiosk. And behind it is a an area that actually has been used for kind of picnicking areas and kind of rest areas. But it's actually probably what is a land dedicated to a, a Little Mermaid attraction. In fact, I think they probably would have put the same one that they put in Disneyland and Walt Disney World here, except they greenlit putting in Zootopia, which is a much bigger uh, type of land. But there's still space for this, and it's it would make a perfect little kind of um, common space or bridge, a transition. You know, we had a previous podcast just... Uh, about five, six podcasts ago that we talk about Disney transitions. This one would be a perfect one there. As part of the entry, you go down a path um, that also then the lead, leads to Adventure Isle. This is not the adventure land of, of um, Shanghai Disney. There's something called Adventure Isle, which is their adventure land. Um, but there's a path. There's a big lake in the middle of Pirate's Cove. That's, that's why... We have a cove, right? Well, there's also something called the Explorer Canoes. And one of the best ways to see the entry um, area of this park is not really just by walking. It's it's actually to jump on board one of the Explorer Canoes. It's, it is a true canoe. It's not on a rail or anything. You paddle. There are people helping you paddle. And, uh, and uh, so it, it's a very, um, it's a very legitimate, um, canoe experience one of the things that you see anytime you see pirates of the caribbean is you see something called skull rock which relates to peter pan um the original disneyland had a skull rock in Fantasyland. go figure with the captain hook pirate ship in uh in disneyland paris there's a major skull rock with captain hook's pirates but it is an adventure land in, even in Magic Kingdom, a lot of people don't realize this. If you go to the entry of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and Adventureland, and you look toward the left of the of the entry, there's a little bit of rock outcropping. It's not bigger than three or four feet, but it's actually um, it's actually a skull rock. If you if you step and look at it, there's so many guests kind of crowding around there, you don't really see it. Um, but the, the way the cove is, is when you go on the canoe, you actually go out to this very large open water. Here in the middle of this is this rock outcropping. And no, it isn't skull rock. It's skull rocks. <laughs> there are a whole bunch of rocks. And you see these major, um, major skulls kind of all meshed into together. Um, so much that you might not see a skull rock when you first get there, but there are actually several um, skulls in there, which is kind of our theme because one of the things you see a lot at Treasure Cove are skulls. You don't see a whole lot more there. You do see you do see our next entry area, Shipwreck Shore, and and um, and then just beyond that, Landlubber Landing, and you see some of the interactive areas. We'll talk about in a minute. Then you actually continue on in this canoe. Um, there is a massive, there's a major island in 
and they're big enough to be kind of its own playground. There isn't anything on that island right now. Um, the only thing, and 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 you, when you go on the back side of it on your way back to to the landing for Explorer Canoes, you actually are in uh, Adventure Isle. So it's actually an attraction that takes up that that showcases two lands, but um, but it the attraction is actually based off of that side of. Uh, Treasure Cove. The only thing I see, and I, I put a picture of this, is that there's this big iguana sitting on a tree log. In fact, I have to say, you know, if you've ever watched iguanas, they could just kind of sit there and be very still. If the tail wasn't so pointed, I would have thought that this might have been a real iguana. I mean, yeah, it's 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 China and Shanghai and maybe so, but 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 this was. Uh, I'm pretty sure this was just kind of put there for there again. There isn't a lot. That's the kind of funny part about, especially the Adventure Isle portion of this thing. There isn't a lot to see. Maybe they were going to add more stuff over time, but at any rate, it's kind of a it's kind of a funky thing to look for because it's just kind of very isolated there. Uh, if you continue from Explore Canoes out towards Shipwreck Shore, you pass by something called Skull Throne. This is a photo opportunity that plays off of the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Dead Man's Chest. And there you could sit on the throne. Again, it has kind of a skeleton theme here. They we're going to play out a lot of the skeleton aspect because no sooner do we head toward the shipwreck shore, our number two area, we're greeted by, yeah, a skeleton in pirate uh, form, pirate costume. He's been... Um, left to hang not literally hang but left in a cage that is suspended um, above and it, it serves us as a reminder that um, pirates will be punished for making mistakes um, it says poor pirate Pete and one doesn't really know in English what what he why he's there much of it is in uh, Mandarin but if you translate it, the Mandarin portion, it says pretty much, Poor Pirate Pete violated pirate rules as follows. Number one, cheating in a card game. Two, using a rusty machete as a weapon. And three, using Captain's Hook to play the accordion. I'm not sure if it's Captain Hook's Hook or a... um. Or the captain's hook, probably just the captain's hook. But at any rate, it's kind of um. Any rate, and then there's a sign that Pete's holding that says in Mandarin, "I'm sorry, I made a mistake." So, um, this is a very at any rate. So you know, playing an accordion with a hook is going to get you uh, punished. As we move into shipwreck shore, much of this area is right up against the shore of obviously. And it reminds us of the danger of sailing your ship too close to rocks because we've got a lot of rock formations jutting out. We have um, um, some portions of the fortress and then we have these ships that have sunk at Shipwreck Shore. That's the setting we find here. But the real treasure here in Shipwreck Shore involves um, interacting with water. 
There's a big water play area involved. It's great for kids who want to just kind of play around and run around. It's a, and it's a little comparable to what you find on Tom Sawyer's Island at Disneyland in the sense that some of the interactions, some of the pumps and, and different things that you um, fill water with and so forth are props that um, come to life or that, that um, are activated as you are um, playing around at Shipwreck Shore. In fact, as you come around those Explorer canoes, you see very readily um, a lot of, again, skeletons in the water um, and different, uh, one guy is held upside down in the water. Um, but um, there's, don't, don't dismiss it as a child's attraction too quickly. Take the time to look around and see the details because there's a lot of humorous vignettes kind of in the spirit of, of uh, Mark Davis that are, that are found throughout this area of Shipwreck Shore. We move from there to an adjacent area, which is Landlubber Landing, also against the water. And the centerpiece of Landlubber Landing is a ship that you can climb aboard and walk through and see something similar to the Columbia sailing ship. Only this is um, not only a walkthrough interactive attraction, but it it is all themed out to Pirates of the Caribbean. The center, um, this there is a map of this that I showcase here. Um, to show you the different layers of where you can walk and see things. But the, 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 the other reason I put the map there is it provides us a little clue about what is Siren's Revenge. And, uh, and there's a little poem or a song. It's called The Song of Siren's Revenge. She began as Ita Senora de la Maga, a Malaga, built in the shipyard of an archipelago. She sailed for years, serving the good Spanish crown, sinking her enemies and making them drown. When one day the captain beached his sea queen on tropical sand, it's called to careen, after an evening of way too much drink, when all of his men, uh, or I'm sorry, Ita Senora was stolen before the Spanish, let me repeat that, after an evening of way too much drink, Ita Senora was stolen before the Spaniards could blink. Gibbs became captain against his best wishes when all of his men proved dumber than fishes. Though Ita Senora's figurehead cut waves like a knife, she reminded Gibbs too much of his wife. So Gibbs renamed her the Siren's Revenge, despite nothing rhyming besides Stonehenge. They say the ship's haunted by buccaneer tales. True, there be mysteries so plenty found in her sails. Not large nor as fast as most ships in sea form. She's smelly and leaky, but what the heck, it's our home. Gibbs and Barbosa and Sparrow, all three, each have a place here, captains, you see. And that's the Siren's Revenge pirate song. It might not be good, but at least it's not long. Signed, Captain Gibbs. You remember Captain Gibbs. He is a first mate to um, to Captain Jack Sparrow. And actually, I think he's one of my favorite characters in the Pirates of the Caribbean series. 
And um, this is kind of his boat, so to speak. And actually, it comes to life with portraits of Barbosa and Captain Jack Sparrow and Gibbs all kind of magically come to life. There's lots of things that are interactive with. One of the things that are interactive, one of the things I love is what is a Malkan map. Um, you might remember this map. It was a big um, scrolled map, but uh, it was in Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the third uh, version. And the Malkan map, map is also referred to as the map of the land of the dead. It's a Chinese allegory map. It's used to find mystical and unknown lands. And it, it's circular, so you have to kind of line the circles to to find what you want you can line the circles up it's very cool i would love a map like this um meanwhile nearby you know there are figureheads that are placed on the mass of ships so often well here simon dundee shipwright has um placed two figureheads together and you see that one is kind of this spanish king and he's looking um lustily at uh, another figurehead next door, which is this this red-headed uh, mermaid, not Ariel, but kind of a red-headed mermaid. And she's looking back at him like, get lost, buddy. It's it's quite um, a humorous pairing of these two figureheads. And it says, Simon Dundee, shipwright, figurehead models wanted people with figures only. <laughs> so um, those things, we see... A, we see a lot of different figureheads on all these ships and so forth. From here, we move from the Siren's Revenge at Landlubber Landing over to uh, the village. I've never heard it. I know there's a title to the village. I don't know why I'm not thinking about what it is right now. The village is full of restaurants, shops, services, and it's also home to El Teatro de Fandango. Um, this is a massive theater that is showing Eye of the Storm, Captain Jack's Stunt Spectacular. And it is, um, for an indoor show, it is on par with Indiana Jones. There are some pretty fantastic stunts that are done here. Let me just, there's a, um, a little marquee that says what they be saying about Eye of the Storm, Captain Jack's stunt spectacular. This ha this show has everything. Action, singing, dancing, and inclement weather, the Tortuga Tattler says. Um, the inclement weather is uh, a hint as to the show because the whole thing is blown out by a hurricane. And not to give away too much, but you see Captain Jack and, um, and another nemesis actually um, sorting, uh, uh, taking swords and fighting in the middle of the wind of a hurricane in midair with no wires. It is completely above and beyond anything you've seen. Another one says, as the siren of um, the Dia, or as sire, uh, I'm sorry, as the siren of the sea, um, Miss Anne Marie uh, Lind is funny, charming, and handy with a saber. Suitors beware. Later it says, 
as usual, Don Diego's performance was um, superb. That, um, but that's from Don Diego Sevilla Portilla. Um, and then it says, the song still sings in my um, um, soul, or that could be from, or uh, I'm sorry, the song, song still sings in my ear, or that could be from the cannon fire, another satisfied pirate patron. So, and then finally at the very bottom, there was a show, question mark, Jack Sparrow. So what you find are these signs and you find that Jack Sparrow has somehow made a contribution to anything that is a sign around this village. There is in, in the village a thing called C. Turner Portrait Artist. Um, it's been scratched out to say C. Turner Pirate Portar, Portrait Portraitist. Um, now we know that there's Bill Turner and his son Will Turner and even Will's son Henry Turner. We're not sure just who is C. Turner in here, but there is homage made to that. There is a, another figurehead found in the court um, where, a, where a sword has literally split it. It's kind of a splitting headache, so to speak, but it's a, it's a very clever prop that's found in the middle of the village. Um, there's a statue of an individual known as Vice Admiral Twit. And this is a short kind of British fellow who's looking out towards sea and uh, with his kind of um, hand searching outward, you know, with a, a kind of um, covering or uh, covering the sun from his eyes so he could see outward. But the irony of the statue is in Ma is that in Mandarin, the sign says, help me, I'm lost. And then on the back side of this, um, of this uh, statue is another makeshift sign that says, eat at Barbosa's. Barbosa's is actually Barbosa's Bounty, which is a restaurant um, just behind this statue. Um, there are hidden Mickeys and skeletons in this. And you could see one picture of kind of what is the restroom area adjacent to Barbosa's bounty. But if you take a closer look, you could see there's a sort of compass that has a Mickey shape in it. Um, it's not, it's pretty obvious actually when you pass by that it's a kind of hidden Mickey drawn into the wall. What you may not recognize is that to the right of it are three dancing skeletons. And those dancing skeletons are a play on the Silly Symphony series, Skeleton Dance. Again, skeletons can be more com common than Jack Sparrow himself in this land. Well, I say that because actually we see more signs. We see a ship manifesto, and on it we see that Jack has taken out all the rum off of a particular a ding called the, I think it's called the Jelly Moon, or the Jolly Mia, the Jolly Mia. And he's taken out six barrels of rum off of the ship manifesto. Um, and, um, and this is just outside of Barbosa's bounty. If you look at the restaurant itself, it looks like it's taken its architectural cue from Admiral Boom's home in Pirates of the Caribbean. You know how there's kind of a ship on top of the, of the home? You have the same kind of thing. You see this, this, 
um, home with stained glass and above it is this ship jutting out and above it is are these masts and sails. Inside the restaurant, we talked about this restaurant a couple of weeks ago. Barbosa's Bounty is one of the few restaurants that are inside out. In other words, like, um, like uh, the Blue Bayou, the restaurant that overlooks parts of the Caribbean at both Disneyland and Tokyo Disneyland, or um, uh, Captain Jack's, which is formerly the Blue Lagoon, which overlooks parts of the Caribbean at Disneyland Paris. They're um, part of Barbosa's County, actually, even though it's a counter service restaurant, overlooks the attraction Pirates of the Caribbean here. And um, you may want to check this out. We we did a podcast about four podcasts ago that talks about the these restaurants that are actually outdoors, but they're inside a building. And uh, you may want to check them out. But at any rate, inside are different rooms. And there are references to all the different characters and cast members that were part of the show. Um... And you could see images at DisneyAtPlay.com of some of these cast members that are in there. There are also more cast member or, um, well, not so much cast as they are um, character references outside the restaurant. There's a little snack shop called Pintel and um, Raggetti's Grub to Grab. It's a snack place to grab some a snack and a drink. Pintel and Raggetti, if you're not too familiar with the Pirates of the Caribbean series, they're the two um, silly pair of pirates. One has his eye keep popping out and they kind of go back and forth. They're kind of a, a character comedy duo that shows up throughout the Pirates of the Caribbean shows. On another door, there's a sign that says, Gone to Jamaica, will return in three weeks. Um, leave requests for hexes and charms in slot deposit payment in box um, we accept uh, chicken uh, big snake skin frog eyes magic compasses and undead monkeys and then it's signed tia um, uh, tia dalma which um, was again one of my favorite characters really shows up um, in uh well, shows up in the first two films and then in a big kind of way in the third film, not to give that away. But anyway, this is a reference to her um, in the village. From there, we move on to Fort Snobbish. Fort Snobbish is the home for Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for Sunken Treasure. There is a dedication plaque um, to uh, Georges Rex, um, and it says Fort Snobbish to the power and glory of George, King of Great Britain. This fortress is hereby dedicated on this day, 17th of July, 1715. Well, obviously that date um, lines up with, uh, with the opening date of Disneyland in, on the 17th of July of 1955, only preceding it by several hundred, um, several hundred years. Um, in the Pirates of the Caribbean, the queue is what makes this an entire neighborhood in itself because you go inside this fortress and explore all of these different elements. There's just all these things that play out, be, um, anticipating that this would have one of the biggest 
heaviest lines of people going in. In truth, when I was there, um, the queue was not very long, partly because the, sh- the boats, the bateaux in, bateaux in the ride accommodate a lot of guests, but partly because people visually seeing the fort don't know what lies within it. So if, unless you've been told, you don't realize that this is a massive attraction that is beyond anything. Um, but what we see are signs again, uh, more Captain Sparrow, um, beware this be the fiercely guarded, heavily armored, utterly filthy and quite possibly haunted lair of the infamous and devilly handsome pirate Captain Jack Sparrow. And then you see a little later on, hey, welcome, mateys. Sorry about all that beware business. Glad you're here. I need a brave, handsome crew for a daring adventure, but I suppose you'll do. Right this way, Captain Jack Sparrow, um, your, your humble host. Um, that's a little bit of a setup of what Captain Jack's going to do to you in the attraction. You're going to help him find some pirate treasure um, way below, uh, fathoms below. And, uh, and so this is kind of a setup. But if, if Captain Jack should be um, arrested for anything, it's probably for graffiti because he ends up writing over all these signs that are posted throughout. Another sign you see, big sign, kind of is the roster of the fort. Sh- shows who should be um, on first watch, second watch, latrine duty even, cooks, um, paymasters, and stonemasons. What it is is there are dozens of names here, but within these names are actually Imagineers who contributed to the building of this attraction. So you have to kind of sort through this. One of the fun ones is the stables. In the stables, you see these plaques with horseshoes on them, and underneath the horseshoes are the names of the horses. You might recognize some of these horses. They're labeled Maximus from Tangled, Bullseye from Toy Story, Achilles from Hunchback of Notre Dame, Fru-Fru, that one goes way back to the Aristocats, Khan from Mulan, Philippe from, of course, Beauty and the Beast, Angus, didn't know the name of this horse, from Brave, Horace, as in Horace Horsecollar, one of the original uh, characters way back in the early days of Mickey, Dobbin, um, or does it say Old Dobbin? I'm not sure which it says, but Old Dobbin actually relates to um, the Main Street horse cars that are pulled. It's a reference to the horse being referred to as Old Dobbin. Abu references not a monkey, but remember that Abu is kind of turned into... A horse at one point, usually an elephant, but at one point he was also turned into a horse. So I guess that's why they call it Abu. Uh, Major was the horse in Cinderella, but they also include Jack and Gus, which were turned into horses when um, the fairy godmother came along. And then we have Captain from 101 Dalmatians. He helps find the Dalmatians. That one's easy. But next to it was Spot. I was like, Spot? I did pulled out my encyclopedia of Walt Disney's animated characters and looking for Spot. And I'm thinking, I don't remember Spot. 
And then I realized, looking closer at the sign again, Captain Jack has crossed out spot and written next to it, Jack. So it's uh, so next to Captain, we have spot, and but now it reads Captain Jack. So at any rate, these are just fun little plaques that are throughout there. Um, and they're pretty simple, but they're also much more elaborate um, details. One is that you step through, um, well, one is kind of a bedroom chamber that kind of reminds you of the bedroom chamber in the cave, only this is in the fort, um, but it reminds you of the bedroom chamber in uh, the original Pirates of the Caribbean caves at Disneyland. There is also a map room, which has all these maps around it, and what makes this map room very cool is there's a plaque saying with the name of Kay Anderson. And that obviously relates to Ken Anderson, whose responsibility, among other things, was to create the Disneyland maps that people used to carry around. It used to be a souvenir and you'd carry these souvenir maps around to kind of guide you around the park. And so this room is an homage and a reference to Ken Anderson also a legendary Disney um, animator. Next to it, then we get onto the attraction itself. Now, I, this is entire podcast we have to go through to go through all the details of this attraction. But there are a couple of little references to the original Disneyland attraction and to the film we ought to, we ought to pay attention to. First is the familiar, um, the familiar pirates that are in jail and they're beckoning the dog who has the key to come help them well <laughs> the dog still has the key and the pirates are still beckoning but they're all including the dog skeletons uh, that's how long they've been waiting there so this so the reference he's never gonna move <laughs> this is really true um from the film the um there is a skeleton council in the caverns I'm not sure if they're counseling or they're playing poker, um, but it's a kind of a kind of similar to the council you see that takes place in Pirates of the Caribbean 3. But again, only skeletons here. What we do find is, remember in Pirates of the Caribbean, you often see the skeleton who is at the helm of the ship. I don't have an image of this here, but it does happen that you see a, a, a pirate skeleton at the helm of the ship. But what does happen, and what I do have a picture of, is that that skeleton then magically turns into Captain Jack Sparrow, who then gives you your assignment to go find the pirate treasure. So it's really hard to capture that, that skeleton moment, the transformation, but look for it. Um, and uh, and it's then an amazing animatronic of Captain Jack Sparrow. In fact, I have a picture also shown of Sparrow being worked on uh, last summer as COVID was ending for the umpteenth time in Shanghai. Although it ended up closing again before uh, it before the current moment, but you see these two painters applying details to Captain Jack Sparrow. So it's very cool to see the attention to the detail, which is the message of all of 
of Treasure Cove, there's just so many details to pay attention to that are so cool that you don't want to miss. And that's what I love about Pirates of the Caribbean Treasure Cove. Now, if you love, if you love, um, if you love these kinds of details, then you you definitely need to go check out um, what is the Wayfinder Society. Everyone, not everyone, but most podcasts have some way that you can contribute back to the podcast, right? You pay a little bit, and some of them have like special podcasts, and we do some of those. But the real gem of what we offer are these interactive guides. And one of our series, it's still being built out, but it's huge, is our Pirates of the Caribbean at Disney at Play Discovery. We also have one based on... Um, Pandora World of Avatar. So if you love that film, you should see it. You should join the Wayfinder Society too. Lots of interactive maps that take you into all of the details to how these attractions were built, why they are what they are, what it looks like and so forth. You don't want to miss. There are different tiers. Some of them are based on kind of these kinds of details you find. Some of them take them to the business magic or the magic behind the business. And that too, uh, there's just so much to explore. Check out, you. There's a, there's a link. Check out a couple of sneak peeks to this. Definitely check it out. And, uh, and see if you want to join the Wayfinder Society. It's our Patreon group. You can join for as little as a dollar a month. Check it out. We're just glad you joined us for this podcast. We appreciate you being a part. And in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage. Always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.